Welcome to Hollywood and Levine. I am Ken Levine, your podcast host. And my guest this week and next is Robin Schiff. Robin is a terrific writer. She wrote Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion. I mean, if that's all she wrote, that would be enough. But she also co-created Almost Perfect with me and David Isaacs. She's been on a lot of other shows, and currently she's the executive producer of Emily in Paris. Now, she wrote this document with advice to writers and some book suggestions And I read it, and it just knocked me out. I mean, this is as good as any college writing course. And we're going to go through it along with the book recommendations. So get out a pad and pen, take notes. This week and next, my guest, Robin Schiff, here on Hollywood and Levine. Well, this book list and other suggestions for the writer... It's like gold. <laughs> you you let me see this, and I was like, "Oh my god, I got to get her on the podcast." This is fantastic. So let's go through some of this. And I love your very first line: "If this was a good idea, how would it go?" And I love how you start with "if." Thank you. And you know, I'm going to get into this, and and I love that you responded to that. But one of the things that I realized when I was reading through this, knowing that I was going to be talking to you about it, Ken, is the idea that we're writers and words matter. So if you begin a sentence with if, it's going to be a real different feeling than if you say, is this a good idea? And you can drive yourself crazy. And it's not productive. This is productive. It leads to action. How would mm-hmm. it? Go? How would it go? And one of the things that has happened to me over the years, and it comes and goes. It really does. Sometimes I just feel confident and like I have a sense of mastery about writing, and then I get very insecure and start feeling judgmental. And so that's what I say to take the pressure off, because when you're writing, no matter what stage you're at, if you're a novice or, you know, I've been do, I've been in the Writers Guild for 43 years. It's amazing because you're 36. I am 36. It's so weird. But e- even at my stage, I'll go you know, is this the best idea on the planet Earth? Um, And start making myself crazy. Whereas if I say, if this was a good idea, how would it go? You get experimental. And when you're first getting going, I think you, you need to be willing to be experimental. Right. My version of that is what if? Where I'll go, well, what if they move to Utah? What if he gets a job in the movies? And then just sort of see where that goes without any pressure. Because it's like, okay, this may be a terrible idea, but all right, I've explored it. I've gone down that road. So what? Exactly. It's what, you know, we're, we're really saying the same thing. And it's, it's, it's acknowledging 
the judgmental nature of writing. You know, we all internalize over our lifetimes. Maybe it's our parents, maybe it's a teacher, maybe it's just our own innate desire to be good and we know what good is. <laughs> so, you know, so you're, you're going, well, really, is this any good? But if you want to do it anyway, you have to find little workarounds so that you're not, um, you know, you're not giving up because you're not perfect. Yeah, we used to call it the tyranny of the open page. Now it's the tyranny of the open screen. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, you face that screen and you're like, uh, yeah, it's kind of tough. You say another trick is to write this on a post-it and put on your computer confusion as part of the process. I think I'm going to do that. I love that this is resonating with you because I don't know if I know anyone who writes more than you do. <laughs> Although in the last two weeks, I, I've been writing a lot, but that's not a very long time. Um, and I have been in a writer's room. So you have to remember that if you have all the answers, you probably just stole the plot from something else. <laughs> but it's derivative. You have to be willing to be confused at the early stages. And I've noticed I always move from the general to the specific. You know, you think in general terms as long as you can, and then you go, well, how, how do I make this come to life? And you then you kind of swing down into the specific. Right. And I also feel that anytime you start a project or anytime you're working on a story, you're going to hit bumps. There's going to be things where you think, did I write myself in a corner? Is there no way out of this? Uh, is, is this stupid? And to me, it's like all part of the process, you know, and, and if I'm writing a scene and then I realize later there's a better way of writing the scene, I'm happy to throw out what I had to write the new thing. And I don't consider the original scene wasted time. You know, it just helps get you to where you need to be. That's why I say a book list and other suggestions for the writer is you have the writing part of it where we all want to, at least the people I like, at least my friends care about the work. They think about it a lot. They think about the creative process. They think about writing. They think about structure. They think about how do you bring some kind of specificity and eccentricity or something that makes it pop and not just be some version of it that we've all seen a million times. You know, you, you, you have to be willing to manage that emotionally. So a lot of this, a lot of these books um, are about, I say, the writing process and living the life of a writer. So this is the part of you that has trouble getting to work at the same time every day, even though you've decided to yourself, I definitely want to do this. And um, the part of yourself that is just full of self-doubt and to the point where it's keeping you from producing. Remember, there's a great quote from Kurt Vonnegut. He said, you know, when he's 
in a room at a party with writers and all the writers are talking about how tough it is and how hard it is working on whatever book or project. And he says, and there's always one who goes, I love it. It's easy. I have a great time. And Vonnegut says, he's always the worst writer in the room. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So some of these books are The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield, Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott, Writing from the Inside Out by Dennis Palumbo. I actually know Dennis Palumbo. I actually know one of these people. I went to uh, one therapy session with him. <laughs> and even though I like this book enough to include it on my book suggestions, I did not book with him as a therapist. Yeah. He was a therapist now, and he also was a writer. He wrote my favorite year, by the way. And the other book you cite is The Creative Fire by Clarissa Pinkola Estes, which you say you can download as an audio file. Yeah, she wrote Women Who Love, Who Run With the Wolves, and she writes about um, archetypes and mythology. and, And, you know, she sort of tells stories and myths. But basically what she's writing about is how creativity has a cycle. And you're not necessarily creative every minute of every day. Sometimes you feel it and sometimes you don't. To me, what separates the, can I even say the men from the boys anymore? Yeah, you can. Is the ability to write through that, even when you don't feel like it. I mean, that's what being a professional writer is. Yeah, I always say in terms of television, being a TV writer, yes, talent is a major component but also the ability to create on demand. You have to come in every day and whether you have a cold or whether you've had a fight with your spouse, you have to write. And part of that comes from fear <laughs> that it just has to get done. You don't go home until it's done. So it, it comes out of fear. <laughs> Moving on, you talk about character development. You say good stories come from strong emotions, fear, anger, betrayal, desire, etc. And who will be experiencing these emotions? Your characters. Your characters are the key to creating an involving story. Again, I agree with you here. Cool. I love this, Ken, because Ken is somebody I really admire as a writer. Talk about characters. Well, I mean, I'm going to talk about Romeo and Michelle because it's what I'm best known for, but it was also something where I had created the characters for a play that I wrote that was originally a one-act play, and I turned it into a two-act play, and Romy and Michelle were minor characters in the play and then took on a life of their own, and they were way more disgusting. My whole thing where they were these club girls, and they were completely unselfconscious and just said all these disgusting things in front of the kind of uptight main character. So they were designed to to shock people and they just took on a life of their own. Lisa Kudrow made a pilot with the original Romy with her playing Michelle before the movie. That was that the one where I met you? Yes. Yeah. We met on that pilot. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. That's a really long time ago. You know, it was 
1846, I think. <laughs> you, you say if you start with someone you know, you will instantly have a lot of info and details about that character. Yes. Every so often I teach a class and Wendy Goldman teaches it more frequently than I do called improv for writing. And we do a prompt where you base a character on someone, you know, and people get the most vivid, really vocal patterns and quirks. And because this person is vivid in your mind and it's usually someone that you that are is a little bigger than life or at least somebody who's kind of a prototype for what you want to say with your character. I've also found that if you pattern a character after somebody and that person sees the finished result and you figure, oh my God, she's going to be so offended when she sees this, that invariably the person will come up to you and say, you know, I know someone just like that. <laughs> yeah, something <laughs> like that. Yeah, people mostly don't recognize themselves. But is- I, I'll take stuff, you know, I take a lot of stuff from my own life. But again, details and, you know, just weird little quirks. But I will base characters on people I know. But the other thing I think I mentioned in these pages, I think I talk about the growlings. I um, studied at the Groundlings and I wound up in the main company. And it's just a great place to also play with characters and hear character voices in your head. Because I didn't know anybody like Romy and Michelle. And yet I channeled those voices. And I think that it really helped that I was trained to go with stuff (laughs) to yes. And with myself and just kind of let this unfold. And it was like, I was improvising with myself with those characters. Yeah. It's interesting how sometimes you can lock in on a character. I've talked about this before where you and I and my partner, David Isaacs, the three of us created almost perfect a show that was uh, three or four years ago on CBS with Nancy Travis. And there were two characters like a put upon Jewish guy and a wife that was just a ball buster. And you and I would just (laughs) improvise and we would just channel those two characters and we would just write those scenes with everybody just sitting back, taking taking it down. Oh, my God. I'm trying to think there was an episode. I don't want to go into this whole thing about the episode, but it, it was where he wanted a post-nup or uh-huh. extend the prenup or something like that. And she was haranguing him, like, why do you, you know, don't you trust me? And why do you want to keep the prenup? And he goes, and and the whole thing is about her, as you said, being a ballbuster and being really rough on on her husband. And he says, "Because I was, I'm afraid you won't be as nice to me as you are now." <laughs> and Levine line. Uh, that was a fun show. 
You also mentioned that a good way to develop characters is to do research. Yes, I, you know, I like to do research. I, I tend to write stuff that is sort of more character driven, I guess. So my research is usually reading, but you know, there, there've been a couple of times when I wanted to write something about someone who worked like for the district attorney. And I found someone in the press office and found someone to speak to. And that was a lot of fun. I, you know, it's an excuse to ask questions and be a little nosy and, you know, I think that's really enjoyable. I'm a curious person and it really helps if you're curious. And then I like to read, it says read and or interview people in that line of work or with that personality disorder. I wrote that because I can't get enough about personality disorders. <laughs> so I've done a ton of research and reading about, you know, narcissistic personality disorder versus just somebody who's got a lot of narcissistic behavior and it's not really the same thing. You often say here you begin by making up a list of their traits and fears and desires. And I know my partner David who teaches at USC has a similar thing where he'll have his students write down 10 words to describe their character kind of the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, you know, this is when I'm creating characters. I recently wrote a pilot on spec and I did extensive character work and just lists of things. And it really was helpful just to force yourself to think about those things. These sort of defining traits. And the idea isn't to use every single thing that you think of, but ultimately to have the kind of stream of consciousness thinking of it, think about more than you need, and then see which ones resonate with you. Yeah, I find whenever I start writing a pilot or a screenplay or a play, something where they're not existing characters that I overwrite the first 20 pages just trying to get the voice in oh, my yeah. head. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I get so sick of that first section. I just got out of the first section of a page one rewrite of the Romeo and Michelle sequel that I'm working on. So that's very cool. Fun. You don't know their voices by now? <laughs> I got to tell you something. I've been writing these characters for 30 years, maybe a little more. And, but I hadn't written them for 25. The movie came out 25 years ago. So, you know, I hadn't written them for 25 years. So I had to think of how do I write characters so they are authentically who they were 25 years ago? But they're 50-something. Right. And it was a real challenge. I I really, it just, I went on a a journey I didn't know. It's like, are they still funny? I don't want them to be idiots. They have right. to have some maturity. 
but partly what was funny was they were a little clueless. Mm-hmm. So, um, I finally feel like I'm finding some balance here. You say if you're creating a comic character, pick one of the traits to exaggerate their comic flaw. Yeah, I mean, this is all, as I was saying to you earlier, Ken, I've distilled everything I know into six pages. So you could talk about any one of these things, you know, at length. But the flaw is, you know, rather than some be- someone being a little bossy, they're bossy to a fault. And you can kind of see how that might make a good comic character, especially if you add on top of that, they like, they want to be liked. So they're bossy to a fault, but they want to be liked. So maybe they're trying to hold themselves back from being too bossy, but they can't help themselves. But, um, you know, I'm just riffing on that, but just the idea of, of exaggerating a trait may give you an idea to make the character funny right we've always said that when you have characters who are just nice and likable that it's just comedy death (laughs) that it's so much more fun if you have a character who is narcissistic or deceitful or clueless or bossy or whatever And the other thing is, if you have a character flaw and you get him out of his comfort zone, then how does he react? And, you know, those are all all good comic tropes. Yep. You say you dictate a lot into the phone if you get an idea for dialogue. Yeah, and I... uh, it's So I use the Notes app that comes with the iPhone. It can be anything, but so I dictate and it's written down. So it it's not overly involved, like when you're typing something. But if you have an idea for dialogue and you don't want to forget it, you just dictate it in there. Another great app is the Voice Memo app, which I think also comes with the iPhone. And it it's just a way to record your voice. What I love about it is it works in conjunction with another app called Transcribe that you do have to subscribe to. What I use that for is if I if I have like a lot of dialogue, or if I ask Ken. Will you help me? I want to explain to you what's going on with the movie. Can I pitch you the movie and get your feedback? I would record that session. So I don't have to frantically write down everything everyone's saying. I just record it. I transcribe it. I'm getting my money's worth from this app. And then I read it through and I just discard everything that isn't relevant to me. Um, And it's, it is work to go through it, but I don't know. I like it. I just really, I've just gotten into this transcription thing for a, a meeting that's more structural or big, bigger problem solving. Let's talk about some of your favorite books. 
about creating characters. You mentioned the Writer's Guide to Character Traits by Linda Edelstein. Yes, this you is it. This is all these post-its that I have in here. But I took it out because... Hold it up to the microphone so they can see. Ah, yeah. no. <laughs> so they have these character types. One is the problem solver. Uh, and then they define it. The problem solver is someone we all want to have in our corner when we get into a mess, but he can stumble by being too capable for others and not capable enough for himself. And then they have internally, he's resourceful, he's reliable, mature. There's a whole list of things that are inner, internal, interpersonal, a, a normal manifestation of a problem solver personality to an extreme version I'm just saying this because I don't know. It it just I like just gives you ideas. It gives, gives you me, options. It gives me ideas. It gives me something to grab hold of and to start with. Or sometimes I'll have a very skimpy idea for a character and I will read one of these and go, Oh, I get it. This character that I'm already working with is a problem solver. Let me read through all the other, you know, traits and their internal qualities and their interpersonal qualities and see if anything helps. I'm looking for stimulation. Another book you mentioned is Linda Seeger's Creating Unforgettable Characters. That's been around a long time, hasn't it? It's been around a long time. I can't say that I've been reading a lot of books lately. You know, so some of these are books that I remember liking and felt were worthwhile. The master characters are also kind of schematic. Um, 45 Master Characters by Schmidt. Yes. You know, there's other books you can get. Um, Heroes and Heroines, uh, the Joseph Campbell books. But those yeah. are... These are the best for characters. You also have some books about the fundamentals of structure and or conceiving plot. Uh, one is The Art of Dramatic Writing by Lajos Igri. Have you read that, Ken? <laughs> no, I haven't. It's so interesting because he refers to the corniest plays in it. You know, it's really just dated and of a moment in time i don't even know how old this book is but it is so smart about the fundamentals of writing um i i've got to go back and read it again because i haven't looked at it in years but i've already read it twice um john truby's book the 22 plot building blocks i He's so smart, John Truby, and and I actually really loved. I had I got his um, when they were he was doing books on tape. You can probably download them now on genre. If you're writing genre, he's very smart about detective or crime, and you know just the conventions of the genre. And he also uh, has a website which you list. Yeah. Ruby.com. Yeah. T R U B Y. Right. Um, um, moving on, you have um, 20 Master Plots by Ronald B. Tobias. 
again, it's for inspiration. It's to sit and look at something and be inspired. I would recommend just stay creative. You know, I mean, it's why I was just thinking about Wendy Goldman and she teaches these classes, um, but she doesn't teach them regularly. But it's the type of thing that I would really recommend is just a way of getting stimulation. It's hard to get going. It's hard to take something from an inkling into a concrete thing. So a lot of these books are to give you a little something to grab hold of, but you're looking for stimulation and you really have to tune into yourself to see if it's landing and giving you ideas or not. And there you go, part one of my two-part interview with Robin Schiff. More book suggestions and more good writing advice when we continue next week. As always, our thanks to Adam and Susie Meister-Butler, to Howard Hoffman, John Wolfert, Bruce and Jason Miller. My email address, hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. That's hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. Get those questions in because I'm going to be taking a week to answer your questions here coming up pretty soon. You can follow me on Instagram, Hollywood and Levine. See my New Yorker cartoons. And with that, uh, get down to the library and Start reading those books. We will talk to you again next week. Bye. Hollywood and the Fine.